Mean Gene, the steel cage is the most brutal arena of human competition. It is the last resort, man. Hey, everybody. This is the very first episode of Steel Cage Carnage here on FanboyNation.com. Joshua Waldrop sitting here with Fran Mooney from the Control Center. Yep, I came out of it for once. Some of you uh, may know, probably not many of you, most of you probably have no idea that... Or care. Or care that we hosted a radio show on Cal State Fullerton for several years called Parts Unknown, which has been on hiatus for, what, six years now? Seven years? I don't know. Longer than Chinese democracy, probably. That's fine. Just like Chinese democracy, we'll, we will eventually rise and prove our dominance. Uh, that, that, the album kind of sputtered out and people hated it. Dominance! All right. So anyway, we're here to talk to you about all things wrestling. Uh, or stuff we care about. Yeah, or stuff we care about. But we care about wrestling, so that would Yeah, count. I mean, part of wrestling we care part of Part of wrestling. Part, of, part of wrestling we care about. Part of wrestlings. Wrestlings. Anyways, <laughs> so we're going to jump right into it here. We are a day removed from Monday Night Raw, which was a week removed from the most recent pay-per-view offering, Payback. Uh, a lot of stuff going on here, unfortunately. Biggest story that came out of Monday Night Raw... Uh, we worried this could have happened, but we were hoping that it wouldn't. The recovery time for Daniel Bryan set back a little bit and now stripped of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, we have to still watch Alicia Fox, but okay. Um, well, that too. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so uh, yeah. So you mean it you, came to this. AJ, uh, Alicia Fox, you mean AJ Light, even though she's darker? <laughs> We'll go with that. No, because actually I like watching AJ, and people cared about AJ. That's true. Alicia Fox is like, you, you know how uh, you can go to the 99 cent store and they have like Mexican versions of actual toys? Like it's like Dragon Ball Zeta, and like <laughs> they they have a picture of of like Vegeta or something, but they just color the hair in differently with a Sharpie pen so that they can try to avoid trademark, even though it's exactly the same toy, but a much cheaper version. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Alicia Fox to AJ with this whole crazy angle. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But, again, people cared about it. That's true. Anyway, so, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> something that actually matters. Daniel Bryan got stripped of the title. Um, what, a, what what horrible timing. I mean... Everything... This whole thing was horrible timing. Like, his, unfortunately, his father died. He had his... Well, he had his honeymoon, his wedding, which he was gone for a couple weeks because of that. And then he comes back to the to the cane angle. Which, yeah, man. It's like three horrible things happened to him in a row. Like, his dad died. He got married. And now this, like it's just. <laughs> I thought you say had to wrestle Kane again, but that was a good match. Yeah, that he had at um, Extreme Rules. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, <clears throat> but it's part of the business, and they're doing their best they can to recover from it. You know, trying to trying to move along, not just go. Okay, we got to rely on Daniel Bryan. That's it. Well, I just really hope that they don't do to Daniel Bryan what they have done before to people who they were on the fence about or they weren't completely sold on, and that is use this as the first excuse. To say, well, we tried it and it didn't work, and then when he comes back, immediately shove him into the mid card and keep him there until they decide to release him or whatever. Have him dancing in a full body suit with a rubber <laughs> ribbon. Yeah, exactly. Until they have him be uh, uh, Gregory Hines to Damian Sandow's Barishnikov. <laughs> Gregory Hines. Wow. White nights. <laughs> I remember you have a destruction though. That movie was <laughs> trying to make him an action star. Really? You're going to make that guy an action star? Hey. Who better than Barishnikov? Canyon. But he's dead. So is Barishnikov, I think, right? I don't think so. I think oh. he's still alive. Right, but you know what's dead is uh, Damien yeah. Sandow's self-respect and dignity. <laughs> After impersonating, what, one of the Denver Nuggets, wasn't it? 
Or... Yeah, one of the Denver Nuggets. And you know what I found most offensive about that nobody's talking about is Damien Sandow went out on national television in whiteface. <laughs> That's racist and wrong. Yeah. If he was going to go out as as Indiana Pacer, he should have gone out as Rick Smith. Sorry, yeah, why do you say Denver Nuggets? I don't know. I'm thinking something else. I don't know why Denver Nugget came up. but Because neither team matters. Yeah, plus Nugget equals, you know. Well, they are what ahead. the angles are with him right now. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, as you notice from the show, we kind of bounce around. We're a little bit ADD, <laughs> which kind of like the rest of the world is. And don't blame us. Well, it's a conversation. <laughs> We're not sitting here with a prepared show, just some things <laughs> Obviously. We, we want to talk about. And then the conversation, much as it tends to do when we yeah. hang out, tends to lead astray and awry. Tangentially is how we do our <laughs> There's thing. There's another guy that happened to, A-Rai. <laughs> oh my, yeah, but you know what? He's so much better as a as an analyst than he was as a wrestler or as a performer. Yeah, because he actually looks like one of those guys who would be on like Sunday mornings for the NFL or something. Yeah, and he's good at it. Like He gives sound analysis, that, and he's, his presentation, he sounds like he belongs on SportsCenter or on NFL This Morning or something like that. Yeah, but let's... But, Let's uh, actually come back to that because we'll talk about some stuff. Sure, we'll talk about sure. the network and NXT and all after, that. After shows and before shows and middle shows and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I really hope that when Daniel Bryan does come <laughs> back, they they give him the shot to pick up the ball where he left it and keep running with it. Because, I mean, they did the whole yes movement thing, but it, it, this definitely was not... And by the way, all of you or any of you out there, there's a couple people specifically that I'm thinking about, who want to try to credit CM Punk for Daniel Bryan's rise to the title and his big WrestleMania moment, shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> CM Punk walking out on his job, he doesn't get like credit for Daniel Bryan. This is something that has been building since SummerSlam, ever since Daniel Bryan won the title from John Cena in arguably John Cena's best match ever, and then Triple H enacted the swerve, hit the pedigree on Daniel Bryan, and then Randy Orton cashed in the money in the bank. This was an eight-month build. You don't see builds like this anymore. No, it was kind of like with Austin 316. He started saying it, it was kind of caught on a little bit. You know, people are like doing, well, people were kind of doing one yes when he was a heel, because ironically, he's like, oh, that's funny, cheesy. And then it just caught on. It's like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. See, so, I mean, the crowd still does it. The The merchandise is selling pretty well from what I've seen. I mean, I go to my, my job where I work um, for a... Uh, certain rodent. Um, and Chuck I see, E. Cheese? No, the other one. The bigger one that can probably buy all of us in a second with like, a snap of their fingers. I'm drawing blanks. Yeah, they, they own, you know, like Marvel and Star Wars. And all. They own pretty much own the world of geek. Oh. Those guys. Walmart. No. Oh, okay. They could buy them if they want to, probably. <laughs> um, but, um... But, but yeah, something like that. You see, I still see a lot of. I don't see a lot of wrestling shirts as much anymore. You see a little bit of Cena scatter, but I see a lot of Daniel Bryan like out in public. Yeah, say th- that there was there was some reports that uh, higher ups in the WWE didn't know as of a couple months before WrestleMania. They felt that maybe the Yes chant itself was over, and not necessarily Daniel Bryan was over. But how can Daniel Bryan not be over? He's a arguably one of the hardest working guys in the ring he's easy to connect with he can talk he's sympathetic he's the perennial underdog who he's there's no way that you can't buy into him i mean we know that having seen him on the independent circuit brian danielson for 10 years and anybody who's followed his career knows but he's excellent in the ring and he's his emotions i think he really came to bear came to the forefront in the angle with kane as the tag team champions 
because nobody knew that either one of those guys could emote that well. I, I saw a new dimension of Kane that, you know, uh, great that he's the big red monster again, or the big red rocket. But uh, Give me Kane. Yeah. But uh, one word. he actually had comedic chops. He's actually funny. And Daniel Bryan showed that he could. he had a lot of layers. There's no way that it was just the S movement that was over. It was the build. It was the story. It was... The same way Austin was the anti-authoritarian fighting the system, that's the way Daniel Bryan was the the outside-the-box, independent thinker fighting against the system. What an awesome rise to his WrestleMania moment that was such a long time coming, and then to have it all just kind of taken away so quickly. It's like a larger version of when they finally took the chance after last year's WrestleMania and put the belt on Dolph Ziggler only for him to get kicked in the head by Ryback, and have to sit out for a month and a half with a concussion before coming back and immediately dropping the belt to Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, and there's another guy that they just kind of went, boop, but then I'll see he kind of brought that upon himself from what I've heard, when I've read and seen, and read, a, you know, read online, you know, because the internet. Well, we all know if you read it on the internet, it's got to be true. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's another guy who had that, that rocket strapped and went, no, 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 not working. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean. He They finally give him a shot. He gets hurt, something he can't avoid, something that was unfortunate, and then they use that almost as an excuse to say, well, you know, he's just not one of those guys, and they take the belt right off of him. That's what I'm hoping doesn't happen well, okay. with Daniel Bryan. And that's what happened with Christian, too. There was he, a lot of outrage. Remember when Christian had the title, and then Orton got it right, just took it right back. Yeah, isn't it ironic that uh, pretty much everything that TNA does is either a really blatant, cheap ripoff, again, that 99-cent store Mexican version of Vegeta, Dragon Ball Zeta, uh, (laughs) version of something the WWE has done well, except for Christian as NWA World Heavyweight Champion. That was, they used Christian arguably, arguably better than WWE ever has. You know, Tine's logo, right? I mean, Tine's slogan, right? Oh, no. Our champ has a beard, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was just a coincidence, Fran. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe had the beard before, but all of a sudden they realize, hey, that guy's got a beard. It's kind of like what they did with Goldberg. Because, like, if you put, like, they would always say, if you put those two, to, you know, him and Austin, you'd see the goatee, the black tights, and everything. And go, oh, kind of the same. Uh, you know, and again, it goes with that other version or the maybe cheaper knockoff version of a wrestler. Yeah, and then you would see the size difference, and you would probably think that. Austin was the knockoff of Goldberg, but then as soon as the bell rang, you'd be like, "Oh." When Nash says something, when you can't, Nash says you really can't work. That says a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> what was but, that thing he says on? Uh, what was it on uh, Legends? He was, he was going to have to do twenty, and it's hard to get twelve out of, out of him from a house show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But well, well, I really hope that when Daniel Bryan's able to come back, they they put him in a position where whoever comes out of this Money in the Bank pay per view. With the World Heavyweight Championship. Which we'll talk about next. Yeah, Daniel Bryan's able to go into a program with with them, and ideally, it'd be great to see him win the title back at SummerSlam. I just hope they don't try to do something and get cute and draw it out with like some protracted... Um, for example, Daniel Bryan comes back, wins the title back at SummerSlam, only for him to get jumped by whoever, Brock Lesnar or whoever else, and the authority to screw him again immediately after winning the title, just like they did last year. Because I think at this point... Same old S, same old S. Well, yeah, at this point, they they played it perfectly. And part of that was due to chance. Part of that, a large part of that, I give credit, was due to design. They 
screwed Daniel Bryan last year at SummerSlam out of the WWE Championship, built all the way to WrestleMania. But here's the thing, and this especially relates to people who try to give CM Punk credit for Daniel Bryan's ascension to the title, is that they had to put the title on Daniel Bryan. Because after all that long and Daniel Bryan fighting against the authority, they the the tensile strength, so to speak, of the audience was stretched to its maximum. And had they not gone ahead and pulled the trigger, had they not gone ahead and given the payoff that comes at the end of every great long extended angle whereby the good guy overcomes and the bad guy gets his comeuppance, had they tried to extend that longer, I think they would have completely lost the audience with that angle. And that's what I think will happen if they try to bring him back and continue to screw him and screw him and maybe try to stretch it and build it up to next year's WrestleMania again. I think that it'll be too long, too much, and they could turn away some fans or turn off some fans to the whole angle uh, if well, they tried to go that route. That's the thing. I mean, that's what happened, too, is a lot of people did get turned off from a bit because of that when they were trying to do Everything was like, oh, like when they had um, Triple H being like, oh, well, you don't like what I did? Well, you're going to have a gauntlet match with 20 other guys, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And it's like, like I get the you know overstepping your boundaries thing, but it's just kind of just got old after every week after week after week. Plus, they just basically castrated the big show during this angle. Yeah, and and what's never made sense to me about this angle, and I got to give credit where credit's due also, Triple H has really come into his own with this angle. It's a better version of the McMahon-Helmsley-era angle from about 10 years ago, and especially because Stephanie McMahon is just knocking it out of the park. She plays such a convincing shrew that... Uh, I say shrew because there's other words I would use, but we're trying to keep it friendly here on the on the steel cage carnage here on fanboynation.com. Yeah, well. um, she's playing. She's so easily hateable in her role, and I think that's great. But at the same time, if they're the authority, they're the power. Then there's so much of what has happened that doesn't make sense to me. It's always like when Vince was was in the angle with Austin, and I love that angle. Austin's my favorite guy of all time. But my thought was always, why doesn't he just fire him? Yep. Like if 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 I think because they well we could always say well he knew that dotes for the fans bring in the fans and they couldn't do that. But well, if Helmsley and Stephanie though, like for example, Stephanie makes an announcement last week: if Daniel Bryan is not able to compete at Money in the Bank, then this will happen. And they got the news, and it was leaked out to the internet, or, or however it got out, that you know Daniel Bryan's recovery wasn't going as quickly as they'd hoped, so they went ahead and made the move to strip him. But she'd already made that ruling, so why not extend that all the way to the pay-per-view and have it be a tease? I guess that you could make the argument some people would be upset, because by doing that, they might expect Daniel Bryan to be able to come back, Yeah, and then when he doesn't, they'd be disappointed. That was like when um, Austin had the neck injury. Sure. But they're going to be disappointed anyway, and she's already made the decree that if he's not able to compete at Money in the Bank, then this will happen. So why not wait till Money in the Bank to find out? Um, I don't know, to come back a week later and to go ahead and strip him of the title. I understand that they're kind of directed by circumstance. Like, they had to wait and see what was going on with his health before they can make a decision one way or the other. I'm sure they didn't want to strip him of the title. I'm sure they were hopeful that he would be able to come back and compete and pick up where he left off. But to say, this is what's going to happen at the pay-per-view if he can't compete, then a week later say, oh, we're going to go ahead and strip him of the title. It's like, well, why didn't you just strip him a week before then? Or why didn't you strip him right after WrestleMania? Why didn't you screw him over the way you had been screwing him over for eight months right after he won your belt at WrestleMania that you don't want him to have? 
you know, again, they could they would have had to find a found a creative way, unique way to do that because of what I just talked about as far as the tensile strength of the audience being pulled to its maximum. But it kind of undermines their authority, no pun intended, when they screw with the guy, screw with the guy, they're the ultimate authority, he's the COO of the company. We hate you, we don't want you as our champion, but we're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> now, some people are going to argue, well, it's because what the WWE Universe wants, but their whole character is that they don't care what the WWE Universe wants. They want what's best as far as they perceive it for business, so... I don't know. It's a little contradictory, and it's little think... little nuances like that that most of the wrestling audience probably doesn't pick up on, but that really bothers me. But also, like, what about them always saying, "Oh, he's a B plus player, B plus player"? Do you think that's going to kind of start reflecting? Kind of like how when it would do the thing about Cena, where he would go, "Oh, he's getting a little more booze than usual," like saying that kind of stuff. Do you think that's going to start to reflect in some other some other wrestling wrestling fans' mind, being like, "Well, maybe they're right. He's not that great." I think that the B plus player stuff was okay up until the point where Daniel Bryan got hurt. And now, in order for that not to kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy, they're going to have to handle him the right way when he does come back. They're going to have to keep him strong. They're going to have to push him back into the title scene. If he does come back and they push him into an angle that nobody cares about, like with Kane or with somebody else, or they push him into a mid-card angle, then yeah, the audience will probably say, wow, maybe there was something to that. Maybe he is a B-plus player. Maybe he did, you know, it was just kind of lightning in a bottle, that he was able to achieve what he achieved in that amount of time. But if they bring him back the right way, I think he can still overcome that stigma. I myself have never been uh, a fan of, regardless if it's in an angle, downplaying another guy's skill level or talent or ability because, A, to me, it makes it harder for that guy to get over if something like this happens because... You know, McMahon could call Austin a B-plus player. Austin always rose to the occasion and always overcame, so people knew better. Daniel Bryan has risen to the occasion and overcome, but he had to fight so hard uphill to get that and then immediately had fell back down the hill, so to speak, when he got to the top of the hill that there could be, in some of the wrestling fans' minds who, you know, believe everything that they see... Um, there, there could be some backlash, uh, but it's going to all depend on what happens when he comes back. And we're going to have to wait probably until the middle of the summer, but we'll see. Well, now let's move into um, Money in the Bank. So it looks like it's going to be the first time. No no cases. It's going to be the actual title. Yeah, and uh, that could be exciting if there was anybody in the Money in the Bank match that meant anything. Right now, WWE is struggling with the fact that they have... Uh, kind Cast of dirted everybody. Well, that yeah, and they have a, a dearth of people in their not only in their main event scene, but even in their strong upper upper undercard, so to speak. The guys that are just below, like the the Cenas and that, and, and Cenas and Cenas, yeah. <laughs> and and none of those guys that have any strength or any kind of juice right now are in that match so far. There's still three slots left. What I kind of afraid of happening is that that belt's going to go right back on Randy Orton because yeah. there's really nothing else that... that's a, And that's why I'm afraid it's going to happen, and I think a lot of people are just going to chant what I just said earlier, same old S, same old S, because it's, oh, there we go. Because I think right now it's Del Rio, who they've already... who was strong, but then they've just decided, let's pull the legs out from under him. Sheamus, who's just become a uh, baby kisser, who, who was, you know, just kind of been just there now, just kind of... Now he does some of the brawl... Like, they see shot... Like, he has great matches, I think. Like, with Bad News Barrett... Great match they had, but 
Bad News Barrett needs to be in there. Great match they had, but yeah, how do you push a guy the way you've pushed Bad News Barrett to your Intercontinental Championship, which arguably at this point, if you can make the argument that none of the belts really mean much of anything right now, but the Intercontinental Championship, I think, to me, still holds some more prestige than the U.S. Championship, and then you have Sheamus beat him clean, like... I didn't. I could see why they're trying to keep Sheamus strong, especially after the uh, the little mini angle that he ran with Cesaro. Um, maybe that's still going on. I don't know. But um, to have him lose like that, like I would have liked to have seen both those guys in there. That's one of the problems that I'm having with the Money in the Bank thing. And, and I, this is going to sound like I'm biting off of D.L. Ryan's column on uh, the otherwise on the website. But um, he's absolutely right. Uh, the people that have qualified for this match have qualified over people who should be in that match i agree with putting cesaro over on rob van dam clean because rvds that's his role now is just to be that guy to help sure put over that younger talent but if you're having a money in the bank ladder mm-hmm. match don't you want rvd in that match <laughs> uh, you know alberto del rio going over dolph ziggler which for one i'm really getting tired of seeing dolph ziggler lose that guy's got so much talent he makes everyone look like a million bucks he looks like a movie star He's got charisma for days. I he bumps like a like a mofo, like a old like a Shawn Michaels. Like he's yeah, like he's made out of rubber. I for one can't see why he's being used the way he's his, using. But his attitude, his but, attitude, or whatever it is, I don't know. But that's another guy who should be in that Money in the Bank ladder match. That's going to make for a more exciting, more dynamic yeah. match. And Cesaro is another guy too, where everybody wanted to cheer him, they they but they keep him heel. I have no idea what's going on with that. And what they did with him too with the oh we're going to tease Brock Lesnar, but hey, here's a guy who's second best. Come on out. That makes him look like it makes him look like he's just like there just to fill in time for Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and here's what how it kind of struck me was that like they broke Cesaro off from Swagger. I guess for whatever reason, maybe they don't believe in Cesaro's ability to talk for himself, so they need to put him with the mouthpiece, and they want to give him the rub, so to speak, from being with Paul Heyman or being a Paul Heyman guy, which is great. But just like you said, Curtis Axel and Ryback were Paul Heyman guys. Well, just like you said though. <laughs> Uh, the crowd wants to cheer Cesaro. That's why they had to break him away from the Real Americans in the first place. He started doing that swing. It started getting over. And so they immediately put him with one of the most hateable guys in the company. Paul Heyman's great. He's doing a fantastic job. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Over Brock Lesnar. When he comes out and puts over Brock Lesnar, which I can kind of see where they're going with that. Cesaro eventually breaking away from Heyman and maybe going against Brock Lesnar. But... I don't know. It just feels really wonky right now. I, I don't necessarily understand why they're they're going that route. It's almost like they saw what happened with Daniel Bryan, where he started to get a little bit of juice, and then they snuffed him out. They snuffed him out, which is something they like to do. As soon as somebody starts to get a little bit of uh, run going, and believe it or not, Cena went through that. Yeah, um, they snuff him out, almost like a test of some sort, or to, or to try to build up more anticipation from the audience. Which I think the other way, it, it, it turns off people. Well, it can. It worked okay. It happened to work okay for Daniel Bryan, uh, regardless of what set of circumstances dictated that that worked out for Daniel Bryan. But is it going to work out the same for Cesaro? You know, Cesaro's big, strong, super talented, no doubt. Are people going to believe this soon that he's a viable contender for the guy that conquered the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to, you know, be enough and if this whole thing with him and Heyman is going to have been worth it in the end I think you know maybe maybe you you don't necessarily have him be a baby you know straight out baby face but maybe 
he's trying to find his way for a little bit and he's beating contenders and this and that. Maybe then you can have Paul Heyman come and making overtures after he's beat a bunch of guys. But it just seemed really rushed and really kind of, we don't know what to do with you two guys, so we're just going to stick you together, even though all reports I've read have said that they requested that. Like, it was their idea. I, I It takes away from Cesaro. I mean, especially after what he had, the way he won the Under the Giant Battle Royal, where he throws over the big show without, like, any help. Just picks him up and throws him out. That just got the crowd, like, just erupted. And when that happened the next night, they want, again, he comes out, they wanted to cheer him. Yeah. And then they're trying to take it away, and they're trying to do, like, the, you know, he's the king of swing, but he doesn't do the swing anymore. He barely does a swing anymore. Well, yeah, he can't, because... Because it'll get over. That's part of the confusion of this whole angle, is is if he does the swing, immediate pop. The crowd likes big, strong dudes that do impressive-looking things. And he's a guy who does a lot of impressive-looking things. He's really good, and that swing is over, even though nobody can frickin' count it right. I know, I know. It was, like, he does it once, and they're like, oh, he did five times. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, he you count the steps or do you count the? He's swinging in a circle. It's like every quarter turn is one, two, three, four. But yeah, I, I don't get that. I would like to see. I get what they're trying to do with the Paul Heyman rub. I love Paul Heyman, um, but I would like to see that end sooner than later. Uh, and then maybe spe- SummerSlam. Yeah, and then speaking of SummerSlam, or rather Cesaro and um, Sheamus, we were talking about a guy that he's been involved in a program with as of late. There's been rumor for months now, even predating WrestleMania, that they were Sheamus is due for a heel turn, and God, I hope that happens. I'm I love so she- sick I love of heels. smiley baby face Sheamus. Yeah, and it's kind of taken away because he's been stagnant. Yeah, he's been very stagnant, and as a heel, I don't think he was ever better than when he was a heel. Oh, he was great as a heel when he first. That's our my first saw my was it made his debut on ECW as a heel. It's like, oh God, this guy's. I thought I thought this guy's got it. Well. He did have a future, but I was like, damn, this guy, you gotta watch this guy. Well, yeah, and then when he goes And his to, look, too, when he was a heel. He looked like evil James Hetfield. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then when he goes to the the main roster, and he's just killing guys, killing Jamie Noble, you know, quote-unquote ended his in-ring career. Like, they had him built up as a monster, and... He beat a Cena. believable, credible monster. And then they turned him babyface, and now he's smiling at people and beating on his own chest and it's like, oh, or did whatever. the uh or no remember the uh the angle with big's like oh we had a fight and i lost but whatever yeah yeah which is the other thing if you're gonna have a guy who's gimmick oh make know, it i remember yeah with the mega chair this goes back to <laughs> to more old school wrestling mentality if you're gonna push a guy as a big brawler and a guy who loves to fight maybe you ought to make sure that he's not prone to getting his ass kicked in the locker room by mexicans half his size i'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, or or to... Asians half his size in a hotel room. I'm just saying, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so, Money in the Bank looks like uh, could be looks like it's going to lean towards Orton right now. But, yeah, there's three other slots. I don't know who he's like. The he, if you think about Orton, the way they're doing it, he's like the Paris Hilton or the Kim Kardashian of wrestling, just giving everything <laughs> right now because the way they do it, like, oh, he just just put him in. But, uh, sure, but I, I mean that's what they're trying to go for. Is like they yeah. actually want you to hate him. It's because you're just given this given this opportunity. Yeah. Which imagine if oh god, I mean I never believe I say this, but I've said this. I think I've said it a couple of times. But if only Batista would have stayed the way he is, and just when he doesn't care, he's amazing. Yeah. Like when he's just like when you're trying to make him like the that big baby. He's not a good baby face, I guess. You could say. I would really- unless he's just the baby face of being the the tweener. You want to say. Yeah, he can't come out and be like, Me, hi, way. everybody. You know, he's get, he's going to get over 
as kind of an anti-hero, as a guy who just doesn't give a crap. Um, and the work that him and Orton, I gotta give credit, and Triple H to an extent, have done over these last few months with the evolution angle have been great. Randy Orton and Batista have never looked better, in my opinion. <laughs> it's really a shame Batista had to leave and go promote a movie, but I'm really hoping that he comes back shortly after and gets back involved somehow. And But stays that way. Keeps that mentality of, like... I'm mean, not saying, like, give a crap. Oh, crap's okay, right? Yeah, crap's fine. Okay. Uh, but not giving a crap, but just being able to bring that mentality back into being, like, you know being more vicious more a better that better worker because when he's trying to do the 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 when he when they brought him back and being like the full-on baby face kind of thing was just it's not working i'll tell you what though too but he it, it's but circumstances being what they were at that time with daniel bryan's rise didn't help at all sure and i'll tell you this he's got to be given credit because over the last few months he has been giving like if you saw that match he had uh, i think it was on smackdown a couple weeks ago with uh dolph ziggler yeah i oh, mean great match fantastic uh, no match as a no dq match i think it was yeah and ziggler dominated that match it was just kind of a lucky spear that batista was able to pull the match out but batista was uh, batista's like six foot seven or however big he is 300 pounds of muscle <coughs> he's Edit a big dude I, I saw him before uh, i've seen him in like in person like i was doing some work for uh comic-con for guardians of the galaxy and him even being skinny as he was looks on tv up in person though that is one big dude <laughs> but like but he was bouncing around for ziggler like he was made out of rubber he was bouncing like ziggler usually bumps yeah and and selling like a mother and just he was he was doing great work and, and helping was... guys like putting guys over with his work and didn't he say he wanted to put over roman reigns i think was what we were reading well that's one of the things i'd heard was yeah. he was interested in putting over roman reigns but uh things but were... Yeah, man, he he's laid on his back. you got to give the guy credit. And I think that this is an instance of one of those you really can't believe everything you read online because there was reports out that he was going to leave because he was upset and he didn't want to have to job to Daniel Bryan. He not only jobbed to Daniel Bryan, he tapped out to him At in Mania. the main event of the biggest WrestleMania of all time. And then, you know, he's putting up, he's he's laying on his back for Roman Reigns for all the Shield members. He, you know, he's he's putting over uh, Seth Rollins which we'll get to that, too. Oh, God. Um, and so Batista really deserves a lot of credit. I hope he's back sooner than later. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy, hopefully it'll be a... It looks like it'll be a great movie. Sure. So, talking to the Fanboy Nation audience as well. Um, looks like it'll be a fun movie. Um, but let's move on. Speaking of The Shield, though, speaking of Seth Rollins... I can't stand that guy. <laughs> I really can't. The little mutt fucking... Oops. Edit that freaking. out. Uh, that freaking that little little run to little pip squeak as uh, Gorilla yeah. Monsoon would say about Jimmy Hart. Well, Rachel, uh, we were sitting here. Wa- my girlfriend Rachel, we were sitting here watching. Uh, oh, wrestling people on internet have a girlfriend? Wow, <laughs> interesting. And she was like, "His face is so small," and that's when it dawned on me that with that stupid hot topic hair of his and that little <laughs> that little peach fuzz face, he looks like a, a like a, a a prairie dog, like a wet muskrat. <laughs> And he's just, the one thing I will say about them turning him and having him join Evolution, at least they picked the most easily hateable member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but then it's like, they, they're like, well, we'll write in something later. So uh, just say, uh, oh, I only own an explanation to myself, uh, not you guys. Um, yeah. I hate that. Well, uh, it was at least a little more than that when he explained that as the architect, you know, he was looking out for the evolution of Seth Rollins and he created the shield and he could, you know, take apart the shield or whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, I think the, one of the great things is it gives, um, Dean Ambrose more mic time. 
Sure, and that promo he cut on Monday was great, even though it seemed like he forgot that Roman Reigns also wanted to talk on the mic and slam the mic out of his own hand, which was pretty funny. But yeah. uh, well, I think it kind of adds to it because um, him being a little crazy and like sure, sure. But it kind of adds a thing of it adds to that little bit of uh, element of him trying to say he was the architect, he controlled, he had, yeah. he had to keep them under under wraps. All the conjecture or, uh, was or that wraps, whatever you want to say when when they yeah keep them contained yeah. Um, all the conjecture was that they were going to perhaps turn Dean Ambrose, and I'm glad they didn't because Ambrose, while some people may see him as a natural heel, he's just he's out of his mind. Like he could be obviously a great heel, but he could do both. I think that he's he's another one of those guys who's so likable because of his work and because of his uniqueness that it was good that they didn't turn him. I think. Yeah, um, like even just the way he holds the mic, like it's like. He just like wants to. He just like the voices in his head, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, they talk to him. Yes, they talk to him. And is it me or does Dean Ambrose and Jack Swagger both look like uh, villains from a Dick Tracy movie? <laughs> mostly because, um, mostly because Swagger has like. Well, Swagger's no neck, right? It doesn't doesn't look like he has a neck. Swagger's got that gigantic Cro-Magnon forehead, but. Uh, talk about another guy who's got just so many talents and so many tools that just can't seem to find a way to put them all together. They even put Dutch Mantel with him to yeah, try now, to help get him over. Shirt, you ever notice Jack says Big, Big Hoss? Hoss. Yeah, yeah. No, one knows, no one explains that. It just says Big Hoss. I know. Like, what, do you, do you steal from Pawn Stars or what? That's my favorite part about him. And I think it's a little bit of a shame that the angle with him and Adam Rose is already over. Uh, seemingly, anyway. Adam Rose. I'm big on Adam Rose. Oh, I love Adam. I've, I've liked him when I watch him NXT. I've heard a couple of people say that, uh, you know, oh, Adam Rose, can he, you know, can he get anything done in the ring, or is it all gimmick? I saw Adam Rose on NXT for the first time, and I, I wasn't watching NXT when he was Leo Kruger, but I saw him on, on NXT wrestle for the first time, and I thought he looked like the way he moved around the ring and his athleticism, like a really green version of Shawn Michaels. This needs a little bit of tweaking and it needs to, and you know, that's why he's still in, and that's why he's still in NXT and why sure. NXT exists. He just needs time, you know, it takes a lot of adjustment for these guys to fall into the rhythms of the WWE style. And believe it or not, Shawn Michaels was green at one time. Yeah. And um <laughs> but man, the guy's got a look, the guy's got charisma when they had the big promo in the ring a couple weeks ago uh from the UK and he basically took over the interview and started interviewing Renee. Uh the guy's got he's just really entertaining to watch and and i hope that uh you know there's reports you read online where oh his debut wasn't as successful as they liked by what measure i mean everybody does the song with him when he comes out mm-hmm. he does his thing they were singing thing. during the pay-per-view and he wasn't there yeah so i really like adam rose but back to uh seth rollins and the shield um people talking about seth rollins joining evolution i've got no indication that that's happened they like, just said he just turned on him. He never said, I joined Evolution. Right. He said he had, he evolved so that he wouldn't perish, which has been the tagline of this whole angle. But Evolution, and I think they understand this, is Hunter, Orton, Batista, and Flair, which we hadn't seen Flair lately. But He's been cleared I to think, go on the road, so we'll see. Yeah, I think it's smart of them not to be trying to sell this as Seth Rollins joins Evolution, because that to me is like Lex Luger joins the Horseman. It's, yeah, it, it just, makes no sense. No. But, yeah, because it's like, I just beat the crap out of you. I beat you guys. I showed that we're superior. I'm going to go join. It's like, hey, I just won the World Series with the with the uh, Yankees. I'm going to go join the Astros. I hated that. It seemed, like, so rushed and so forced. Like, 
Swerve! You've got two great pay-per-view matches with Evolution and the Shield, where the Shield dominate a, a faction that's being positioned to the current viewer as one of the most dominant factions of all time. And you know, it's kind of... Uh, I, I'm sorry, but with my thing with Evolution, they don't... It's not up in that echelon of faction. Sure. But they, it's not even viewed that way on my book. But they've pushed it that way over the last several months, and the Shield dominated them twice. And after that, after fighting these brutal battles, then Seth Rollins just magically decides to... Like, what reason? Evolve or perish? Okay, well, the Shield have already taken out Evolution twice. What 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 is there left? But how much know, why think... why turn on on them at that point? Why not maybe build to a third match or have Evolution win one of those two matches so that you can build to a rubber match and have it happen there or have it happen? Maybe it's a little more predictable, but at least it makes sense. I was gonna say, do you think they had to keep it going a bit for because the Daniel Bryan thing to keep a hot angle going to in the meantime that people aren't gonna just go, hey, what about Daniel Bryan? What about Daniel Bryan? What about Daniel Bryan? No, not necessarily. I think they caught lightning in a bottle, and the Shield and Evolution had way more chemistry in the ring than perhaps uh, they had anticipated. Uh, that match that they had not at Payback, but at uh, the pay per view before that, which I'm blanking on, that was it Extreme, Extreme Rules. Rules. Both fantastic matches. Um, and I think that after the first one, maybe it was intended to be a one and done, who knows, but once, you know, they saw how everything was working, gauged the reaction of the audience, they went ahead and, and decided to extend it. I do think that the turn itself was a total, uh, knee-jerk thing, even though it's been reported that it was in the works for weeks. I think it was just, we need to do something interesting, uh, we need to do something to, to shock the viewers, so let's do this, even though really didn't make much sense the way they did it or the timing of how they did it. Yeah. But the hard part too is like what do they do with that with Shield with that with Shield after they beat Evolution? Yeah. Well, that's true, but I mean they that's what I mean. They could have always gone to a third match with Evolution. I guess maybe uh, who knows, maybe that was in the works but then Batista's schedule wouldn't allow it or or whatnot. But uh I just think that there's other ways they could have gone. Maybe after beating Evolution a second time, Triple H decides hey you know what you couldn't we couldn't get the job done so i'm gonna have guys get the job done that have proven they can beat the shield and put them in a program with the wyatts bray wyatt's coming off that program with john cena i don't know where you really go with cena after the last man standing match and at this point i think that the whole you got the whole world is kind of played out so why not revisit i mean when those six guys touched it was always magic and they really only had a couple of burn-off matches, one at a pay-per-view and a couple on Raw. They never really got into the meat of it. So since it's kind of been forgotten anyway that the she- the Wyatt family was kind of not in cahoots necessarily, but you know on the side of the authority, uh, having maybe Triple H say, okay, Wyatt's in S.H.I.E.L.D., and having them maybe lose maybe win one and then have a rubber match where then Seth Rollins turns, not necessarily to join the Wyatts, but, you know, as a payoff or something from Triple H. That would have made a lot more sense to me. And then you have the Wyatt family decimate the Shield, and that's how you can you can end that. And then instead of the Shield coming back at the Wyatts and coming back at the Wyatts, then Reigns and Ambrose turn their attention to getting revenge on Seth Rollins. But that's, you know, I, I could have seen that strung out more and maybe maybe even that happens at survivor series and then the raw after survivor series is when they go into the angle with seth rollins but 
that's just how uh, I would have maybe liked to have seen it stretched out a little more. It just seemed awfully forced. It did. It, it was really. That's why the crowd was kind of. That's probably why the crowd was so quiet when it happened. Like what? Why? Okay. All right. So why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a plan B, Dave. There's a plan B. Well, you just got your butts kicked for the second time in as many months against uh, the Shield. Maybe Plan B should have come sooner. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why? Why Plan, plan B? Plan B now? should have happened during the pay per view. Yeah. Why Plan B now when your group, who is being positioned as one of the top groups of all time, just got your butts kicked handily for the second time? Yeah, Plan B should happen a long time ago. Yeah. Speaking of Plan B, you know who should have taken Plan B? Rusev's mom. Because then we wouldn't have Rusev stinking up our TV on Monday nights. Rusev, oh gosh. You know what? I'm, I'm sure the guy's a nice guy, and <laughs> and I, I, I there are parts of that wrestling. Term. He's a nice guy. There are parts of that angle that I love. Lana's not one of them. I know everybody drools over the ravishing Russian, but she's got that really long, buzzy Phillips head to me, and like for some reason I got just the can't ghetto get into booty. It. You want to see that too? Yeah. Damn. But uh, that five-minute walk she does. I actually like Rus- or Lana's antagonistic promos before Rusev comes out more than anything I've seen Rusev do in the ring. <laughs> Doesn't really do much. No, not really. And then the reports are that they're building him up like they did with Umaga for a shot at Cena. I'm like, man, talk about something not ready to happen. Cena's going to have a hernia again. <laughs> well, I mean, Cena's great. And I won't even qualify that. I'll just say he's great. Um, but he's better when he's in the ring with somebody that can work with and around his limitations. That's not Rusev. <laughs> Ru- like Rusev and Rusev. and Cena in the ring together has the potential to be what Jim Ross would used to call bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does, and it's yeah. Because I mean, right now they haven't be- beaten up Zack Ryder every week, like two weeks in a row. God, another guy. And teach him how to wave a damn flag. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's so mad at that flag. It's he just is. violently. Russia, God, nah. Rusev feces, Rusev butt. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though to me. I've heard people like to me. Lana is the most over thing about that package, and then I've heard people say, "Well, she's supposed to be, and her being over is going to get him over." That's not how it works. No, they'll cheer for more for a lot. They'll be like starting chanting, "We want Lana." Valets don't and never have gotten talent over. They've been window dressing, they've helped, but they've never gotten talent over. Mach and Liz, that angle, the, the character worked because Mach was a dick to Liz. If you really look back, we all loved Liz. Why? Because Liz was gorgeous, and she was sweet-looking. And sympathetic. And had the sympathetic demeanor. What did she really do outside the ring, other than have that same pensive, worried on. look on her face the whole time? Just cheered him on. Yeah. The greatest thing Liz ever did was get slapped by Jake Roberts. <laughs> you know, the worst thing she ever did was take a sandwich from uh, oh, Lex Luger. But, oh, God. But that angle worked because of Mach. Anytime, like, anytime somebody says, oh, well, she will get him over, that's just proof positive that that guy's not getting over. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's working. I mean, I didn't even get to see much of him in NXT when he was there. When I, when I started watching NXT and with the, we got, when I got the network, it was when he was on his way to WWE, so he didn't do much. And when I when he's doing there now, it's the same kind of thing. It's like two-minute squash on somebody or something. Well, and I love the character. Like, I love that characters are coming back. I've said for a decade plus now that what's been missing in wrestling has been characters, gimmicks, just like when we grew up watching wrestling. 
and you had a honky tonk man and a million dollar man and the big boss man and all these men. <laughs> but you know, then it went to Johnny Boots and tights where everybody just had a name and some nondescript tights and maybe a logo. Now we have Rusev and Adam Rose and Believe. Okay, let's go into that. Let's go to the other side of the spectrum of yes. characters that are getting that he that are way. I mean, they're they're starting to get over. Oh, Especially when he was in, if you see him at his work in NXT coming to now, it's just starting to catch on. But Bo Dallas, Bo Dallas is fantastic. Bo Dallas, as you would say, yeah, Bo Dallas is fantastic. The only thing that bothers me about Bo Dallas is that. That How whole, wet that shirt is he when he comes out? No, it's that whole rewriting of history that WWE likes to do. Like I heard Michael Cole say on Raw that he was undefeated in five matches the week, uh, the Monday after he debuted on SmackDown. Uh, Bo Dallas made his WWE debut this past uh, Friday on SmackDown. It was only like a year and a half ago that he was, well, or two years ago, he was in that rumble with uh, Bad News Barrett or Wade Barrett at the time. And we're supposed to just have forgotten all about all that? Like, yeah, pretty much. We're supposed to have forgotten about I that. I hate that stuff. But Bo Dallas is just knocking it out of the park. Back then, when he came up for that little bit of time, was against Wade Barrett. I didn't see much of anything in him. It was like, no, he was kind of, you named kind of Johnny Boots and Tights. Yeah, he's got a unique look, but it's like, eh. Then he went back to NXT, and man, did he find himself. I mean, th- this. That's... I love the fact that there's some people who still haven't quite wrapped their heads around the gimmick and what it's supposed to be. You mean like Superstar Billy Graham? <laughs> well... <laughs> yeah, superstar Billy Graham's wrapped his head around a lot of things, but uh, Bo Dallas. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't see what Bo Dallas is doing, or people, oh well, this, he he looks like a seventeen year old girl. Well, that seventeen year old girl can go because if any of you guys watched NXT Arrival and saw that ladder match, that was a spectacular. Match. The, even the match after the rematch, yeah, was amazing. Bo Dallas can go in the ring. His facial expressions are great. I love that. After his wins, he does the victory lap and then comes but, in and shakes his opponent's hand and encourages them. It's fantastic. But, vo- but that is what makes you want to hate him. Yes, that voice he has and everything like that. That's why it's like the it's gorgeous. It's like the gorgeous George thing. It's like run around looking feminine, but in a man's sport, you know. And same thing. It's all heat. Yeah, and then when he purposefully ratchets his voice up, like with that creaky. Oh my god! Uh, and the greatest thing, um, when they give him more mic time and let him find bow and every a bow like something in every, in every word he can find, you sit there. We we sat there. We're like, Whoa. yeah. It's like when the Family Guy thing where they said, oh, when you when they mentioned the name of the movie in the movie. Whoa. Well, what, what what had gotten me hooked on Bo Dallas straight off the bat was when they did the little um, recap show before NXT arrival on the network. And they were interviewing him, and they were showing people in the audience with signs that said, No more bow, and chanting, No more bow. And they asked him, What do you think about the fans chanting, No more bow? And he said, I think it's great. They want to know more about their champion. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, the it's like the positive. The, the heel doesn't know that, that thinks he's a face. It's like the positively page gimmick done, like, to a greater and more refined level. Oh, and those those vignettes leading up to it, just like showing all these like these inspiration, like they look like inspirational posters of just, which they need to do that as a gimmick. Inspirational posters of Bo Dallas. Yeah, and his, I mean, he he knows how to work, and he's green, obviously, but he's going to come into his own more. He's got a pretty good pedigree going right now with uh, being. Yeah, right. I mean, who knew Mike Rotunda? Mike Rotundo is one of the all-time greats, even though he doesn't get near the recognition that he should. 
But he's starting to look a little bit like King Griffey uh, Sr. <laughs> Except he has two King Griffey Juniors knocking it out of the park on Raw right now. Yep. Got Bray and uh, yeah, Bray and Bo. Yeah. And <laughs> Bribble. Bribble. Rainbow. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow's back. It's going to be coming back. <laughs> Butterfly in the MF in the sky. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> so Bo Dallas... <laughs> I mean, um, Xavier Woods beat him. I mean, I, I don't know. Xavier Woods became, so all of a sudden became jobbered everybody. Well, that was quick. Yeah. And he was every week on, I think I saw on XC, it was always against Rusev too for a while too. Like just jobbing like, well, like nothing. I don't want to throw kindling on the fire that is the conversation that people have about Vince McMahon potentially being racist. But Xavier Woods, K Quick, or or K-Quick. K- Ron Killings, R Truth, R Truth. There you go. Um, Kofi Kingston, and then even most recently Biggie Langston. Pretty much anybody who's got a little bit darker shade to their skin that you know has been on the losing end of the spectrum pretty consistently over the last recent months. Alicia Fox. Well, yeah, Alicia Fox. Let me, t- Alicia Fox. I don't keep bringing this up. This is the most interesting that Alicia Fox has ever been, and she's not interesting. And it's a complete travesty and an abortion that <laughs> I knew you did. You take you son of a that uh, <laughs> that they had her beat Paige clean in England. No reason for that whatsoever. Uh, first of all, you have Paige win the title from AJ, and I liked what how they did it. I liked the way she came out. It was a shock. And then the whole angle about, like, oh, well, who's this chick? She hasn't, she's a fluke. She hasn't, you know, paid her dues. And damn, then she goes, but damn, she's hot. She goes into beating every diva that's put in front of her. Great. But if you saw Paige on NXT, you know that this is a chick who has the potential to be a bad, you know what? And. The fact that she keeps coming out and basically getting her ass kicked for almost the entire match and then coming having a little bit of fire and then putting on her hold, I think it's kind of making her look weak, even though they've only had her lose that one match. She's been fighting back a little bit more over the last couple of matches. Like, I could have seen that with Tamina, because Tamina's like twice her size. Yeah. But like with like, yeah, Alicia Fox or Oksana or something like that. or Sure. And I think that that was fine to have her be kind of timid and like out of place. Now, though... She's had the belt for a couple months. She's beat a whole bunch of people. She needs to start finding that confidence. They need to start letting her portray that confidence to go in there and not just get her, her butt kicked for however long the match is and then pull it out towards the end. She needs to go in and show some dominance so that when AJ comes back and they go into that angle, it's got some teeth. But also, they are putting more attention to Alicia Fox than the actual title. Yeah, like she gets, she goes, yeah, I won and left, and all of a sudden you see her doing her little hissy fit or whatever she's going to do that day. And I'm sorry, it's just annoying. People will find that freaking... They don't find it funny. Is it, is it one of the things where Vince just wants to pop himself in the back or what? Like She doesn't know, first of all, how to do it. Like, she's trying to do this crazy angle, and then she's like... She, stuffing popcorn in Oksana's mouth, and then she's apologizing to her, and... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Zero Fs were given in that audience. Like, no, nobody could, cares. I could go to the bathroom twice and not have two you-know-whats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, well, then again, that kind of speaks to a larger... I'm going to first steel cage carnage right out the bat. I'm going to get heat on myself here. 
But that kind of speaks larger to the state of how women's wrestling is and how it's portrayed and presented is that, you know, it's always one of the highest rated uh, segments because guys that are watching wrestling like to see hot chicks. Um, but I love seeing Paige. Yeah. But usually it's one of the worst segments on the show because they just they're throwing these model chicks out there who really don't have a sense of how to work. That's starting to change now. Paige and Emma both. I mean, if you haven't already, go back and watch the NXT Arrival and watch that match with them. It's easily the best women's match I've ever seen in my entire life. And right under that has got to be. Uh, sorry for me is um, is is that what happened at um, Takeover with Charlotte, who's New York player sure. daughter, and Natalia, who's you say one about Natalia, <laughs> you know, because you know, sell your kettle, but uh, but that match was amazing too. Yeah, and and, and if, they can work on NXT. They work, and if they had a bunch of women that could work like that, and they let them work like that, well, they do have them. They just won't let them do it. Then it'd be fantastic. But they've got half the divas roster or better that didn't come into the business because they wanted to be wrestlers. They came into the business, you know, because they were models or whatever. And else. that was under a previous regime of talent sure. relations. Um, I like the trend, the way it's turning, but. The fact of the matter is that right now, the women's segments, aside from guys being able to be like, ooh, hot chick in little tights, it, nobody cares. Like, it's, I call always call it the pee break match. But yeah. Paige is changing that a little bit. AJ changed that quite a bit because yeah, not only like was AJ. she hot, but she was really good. Yeah. And, I'd and li- that's with Paige. Like, when she don't, like, they'll be like, uh, and then when she does the, the Scorpion cross lock, the crowd starts popping. Yeah. Or, like, with Emma, like, I wish that they would. I'm glad they haven't had her with Santino the last couple of weeks. I wish they would let Emma go out and wrestle because even though she looks like really airheady, she's cute first of all, but she can wrestle. Like she's really good. I mean, she trained with Lance Storm, so how could she not be? Exactly. Yeah. And of course, like I said, like when they bring, when they bring Charlotte up to the roster, for, uh, of course, the pedigree's right there with Ric Flair. Sure. I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's you know there was David Flair and things like that, but we don't talk about that. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about the good wrestlers of, of the Flair family. Yeah. Rick and Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's it. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah. no, she... Reed, but... Yeah. He's probably the best wrestler in the family, but... <laughs> <I'm talking> about... <laughs> um, but um, he's purple. <laughs> yeah, but we're gonna... Yeah, but it's like, we need to bring... They need to bring them up and let them just be with it like what it was when it was Trish Stratus and Lita and people like that. We need to let them have that. But then, uh, then the regime changed and was like, oh, we need to get more models. We need to get more models in there. Yeah. And, you know, I think we know who we're talking about here then. Um, and then now that stigma is there now. Like, yeah, it's a piss break. That's Sorry a, I said piss. But. That's, again, the funny thing about uh, TNA versus WWE is for a while, TNA was out wwe and WWE. All their knockouts matches were really pretty good. Like, they had chicks on there that could actually wrestle. And then, in typical TNA fashion, they've completely... They just not only dropped the ball, but kicked it across the street, and then watched a truck run over it, and then went and cried uh, over their flat ball. So. But their champion has a beard. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. And our one of our most well-known guys who we have right now is using a different alias, a different name, and a whole different persona, and not saying he's Jeff Hardy. Yeah, well... Yeah. Drugs are a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug, yeah. allegedly. Uh <laughs> So what else happened? Did anyone else? Anything else happen of interest on Raw? Um, let's see. Oh, um, well, we had John. They had the thing with 
the Wyatts, and the they're still trying to pull that angle, but it was weird because kind of like we're never going to see them again, and they just like beat the crap out of the Wyatts with John Cena, which kind of I guess was trying to trying to be like the bookmark and the bookend to Cena and the Wyatts, I guess maybe even though he's been teaming was teaming with the Usos forever. I think what's happening with that is you know we talked about how the Wyatts are kind of even though they're not working directly for they're in the camp of the Authority. Not much else to go with Bray versus Cena, but with the whole turn of the the uh, Shield uh, with uh, Seth Rollins, like I I called it when we were watching it on Raw, I was like, oh, John Cena is gonna come oh out yeah, because exactly right when you obvious. said the Wyatts, it's all that's all it's gonna come out. Yeah, so uh, I think that now, given that Cena got involved with the 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 Shield and Cena is kind of sticking his nose into different things and said what he said to Stephanie last week, they're setting up. John Cena taking over that Daniel Bryan role of the guy going against the authority, the guy going against the the uh, establishment, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, because they established some stuff where Triple H was like, "Oh, well, why? You know, why did he do that? Like last week, why did he talk? You know, first he talks to you like that, and now he's joined with the Shield. What's going on?" Right. So they'll probably continue to have some conglomerate of the Wyatt family and Orton and uh, Seth Rollins fighting with the shield and john cena and whoever else they decide to put in there uh maybe daniel bryan when he comes back and that's probably going to be your SummerSlam match it'll probably be reigns ambrose cena and bryan against the wyatt family and uh randy orton or or rather the Wyatt family and um seth rollins seth rollins yeah or there could be a good survivor series match yeah if they bring back traditional survivor series rules sure that's it that could be cool yeah probably well actually i could see it more uh it, unless they've brought up the Ascension by then to take out the Usos, Cena, the Shield, the Usos against the Wyatts, Orton, and Seth Rollins. Speaking of like <coughs> the Usos, they really need to when they do that little dance and all that. They need to they need to be able to do find a way to make that audio better for them because it just sounds like they're like they're like teener, teenagers going through puberty and trying to scream. Y'all say, oh, you say, oh. Yeah, like, the, I don't want to, I'm not trying to demean the Samoan culture, but, like, the way they do it, like, it's just, like, it's like they're just <laughs> screaming it. it. I don't know. <laughs> not the, no, 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 you know, it sounds kind of like thing. a chihuahua. Yeah, no. But, no, the way, like, they do it, it's like they're just trying to just project themselves, and it's not working. It's like, you need to find a way to, like, let them, like, lip sync that or something, try to sync it up. You know, I don't want to get in technical ways, but they can find a way to do it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the counter argument to that would be that it seems seems like even though I hate that whole entrance, it just takes it, so long. Yeah, why wouldn't why wouldn't while they're doing that, why don't you just run up there and beat the crap out of them? Yeah, um, that it's obviously working because it they're over now. Like the crowd loves them. Yeah, I like I, li- I like their work, but like you said, they they still kind of look that indie look to you with that those like the fruit roll up looking shorts and all that. Yeah, <laughs> day one. Well, what does that mean? We never got an explanation why on their P flap it says day one in weird letters. Uso since day one? I don't know. I don't know. Rocky Maybe. Since day one. But yeah. Uh, you know what I love about the Wyatts, by the way? What's uh, that? This is another thing DL Ryan talked about in his column. Uh, so the fact that they are all coming in, coming into their own as individuals. They used to be Bray Wyatt talked and the other two just looked menacing. That promo that Luke Harper cut on Raw was fantastic. And the uh, Eric Rowan, they're not letting do much other than uh, say follow the buzzards, which is basically the same as Billy Gunn saying. If you're not down with that, we got two words for you. But it works because Bray, he's captivating, he's magnetic, he can talk. 
Luke Harper's really creepy. He's got those facial expressions, those eyes. And then Eric Rowan with the, the sheet mask on. Like, each one of them is a player now. It's not just Bray Wyatt and two goons. Yeah. It's it's true. It's it's grown. And they're... I think eventually they're going to be... A, you might see them as a face as a face team. Oh, well, yeah. Or just, a, you know, the anti-hero face kind of team, like like an Austin was or something like that. Sure. Because the crowd loves them. They're, they're clapping when they come out. They see the cell phones, like, Undertaker kind of thing coming out. And, you know, they were singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. Without him leading them, they were singing it in WrestleMania. Um, so I think there's a good future. There, there is a good future for them, as long as they're, you know, again, pushed the right way. It's right. Just, you, got, you have to find a way to keep them going without, don't don't fall into, they need to, WWE does need to find a way to stop doing that, where we talked about earlier, where they're like, hey, we're going to push you, no, we're not going to push you right now, we're going to wait, 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 we're going to wait right now, we're going to wait, 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 now you can care now, and then, then it will care. Yeah. And even though I I said earlier that I think the Wyatt Cena thing has gone as far as it can go, I think there needs to be one more match. I think it needs to be Hell in a Cell, and I think Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family need to destroy John Cena. I know that there's probably no way with Daniel Bryan uh, hurt and CM Punk sitting at home crying with his ball uh, and the lack of people they have on <laughs> the top of the card drawing power merchandise yeah, like almost a whole show just on the cm punk situation huh? yeah um i know there's no way they're going to take john cena out for an extended period of they time they don't want to but story-wise i would love to have seen and i would have loved to have seen it at the last man standing match i, I really didn't like how that match ended and i don't necessarily like even i know it's their job they keep putting that match over on commentary like it was one of Cena's greatest matches of all time, and I, I didn't think it was that great, especially with what came after that with the Shield and Evolution. But uh, there needs to be one more match because SummerSlam, or rather WrestleMania, the cage match, it was like, eh. And then Last Man Standing, they've had this big build to Bray Wyatt being this really menacing, you know, evil, maniacal being, and he's lost almost every time. It doesn't seem to have hurt his popularity, but how many times can that happen before he loses credibility? You know, he's like, oh, John Cena, I'm going to do this and that. And people are like, yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked again. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's that problem. You got to do You got to find that, I guess, happy medium, so to speak. Well, you have to at least let the guy get or get over on him once in a while. Yeah. Um, like Bray Wyatt could be John Cena's mankind, the way mankind was to The Undertaker. But that only worked because a lot of the times the Undertaker, like Mankind, was up on the Undertaker, and Undertaker ultimately pulled it out in the end with boiler room brawl matches and stuff. But John Cena so far hasn't been vulnerable, and that's one of the main things. I think it's one of the reasons he gets such a backlash. It's the Marvel versus DC thing. To me, I'm a Marvel guy because their characters are more flawed and more vulnerable, and thus you, as a flawed, vulnerable individual, can identify with them more. John Cena has no flaws, basically, and is not vulnerable at all. Super Cena. So he's easy to hate for some people. Yeah, that's why they call him Super Cena. Yeah, I, I would like to have seen... Some, somebody suggested that this is too close to like the sting angle in WCW, except for I, I wouldn't have wanted Cena to come back and end up in the rafters dressed up as a, a gimmick from a B-horror movie from the early 90s. But have Cena get beat by Bray and then start questioning himself. Not just questioning himself, question the audience. They're never going to turn him heel. He's too much the face of the company and the poster boy. But you could have him come out and be like, you know what, for 10 years I've been busting my ass for you people. 
I've been in last man standing matches. I've been in all these, you know, cage matches. I've torn my pack off my muscle. I've had to have surgeries. I've gotten injured. I've dedicated. Don't try this at home. Ruined my body for you guys. And what do I get? You come out here and half of you chant, Cena sucks. I don't suck. You know, and if you if you had him kind of getting fed up with it, teasing maybe a heel turn, and then ultimately, you know, just expressing that frustration, I think it would be better than him coming out smiley all the time. F you, Cena, you suck. Oh, I just love it that the universe gets to express themselves. No, get mad. Get mad once in a while. Get upset about something. Take something seriously. Like what happened with Bret Hart when he turned heel. He just turned him and said, you people cheer people like Stone Cold Steve Austin, or you have heroes like Charles Manson, and you do this and this, and I can't stand, you know, yeah. this country. Well, I don't even, I'm not even advocating a heel turn for Cena. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, just show, like, a gradual, something gradual, something different of Cena, not just, like, the yeah. happy-go-lucky guy. Exactly. Put him um, in a situation where... The other members of the Shield are getting beat down or something, and he comes out after having cut a promo like that, and he saves them. But at the end, he just looks at them like, you know, I, I didn't do this for you. I did it because I have to do this because you know I'm going to do the right thing, and then leave. You know, that's kind of what they be... did for Monday. I'm um, a little bit out did um, on Raw because he was kind of just there, and then he just left. Like he put their hand, he put the raised their hands, and then he kind of walked off, and Shield left in the ring. Yeah, but he raised their hands, so it wasn't like there was any kind of tension. Oh, I it was he was powdering out to give them the glory. Yeah, but he's some like some kind of. I think one of the problems with Cena is that he's really one dimensional, and that's great for the kids. I remember being a huge Hulkamaniac growing up, and it, he's essentially Hulk Hogan two point But for the whole of the audience, and even for the kids, shows some confliction, you know, and then. He could be even bigger than he is now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, no, I agree. I mean, Thanks for I adding, hate, friend. I, that's what I hate about this. When you do this guy, I agree with it. So I can't be like, no, Cena needs to be the one-dimensional guy who sits around and kisses babies. Yeah. But uh, but I was just going to, after that, I was going to try and move on from that to talk about maybe... Um, well, I guess we could talk about something outside of WWE a bit. Well, I think we covered pretty much everything that happened on Raw or everything that's going on storyline-wise with the WWE right now. Um, um, I would talk about TNA, but I don't watch the show because it's god-awful. <laughs> we could talk about the situation over the weekend, this past weekend. Oh, with Tommy Dreamer? Yeah, where you where he basically said, okay, I'll bring you guys an audience, and all you got to do is, you know, give me a solid back. And what does Dixie do? You're gonna go over to the Spike Movie Awards. That you're just gonna just gonna be there. Well, it's really or whatever it was. It's really a shame because you know Tommy Dreamer did everything the right way. Tommy Dreamer has always been a, a stand-up guy. Um, Tommy Dreamer throws his House of Hardcore show, finds out the night before that Bully Ray, who was supposed to be in the main event, can't go because TNA pulled him to go to the Spike. Uh, TV awards or whatever it was, man awards, whatever they were. Right, no one cares. The awards, no one cares about. So Tommy Dreamer comes out and tells the audience what happened. Gives them, gives them the first two matches for free. Offers a refund. Nobody took it. Uh, I mean, yeah, Sandman, right, or something like that came out for the surprise, like a surprise or something. Well, I think Sandman was always supposed to be on there, but it was uh, the main event ended up being, I think it was like Abyss and Devon against uh, someone and someone, Tommy and somebody else, whatever. But uh, no Bully Ray. And Tommy Dreamer, in typical Paul Heyman fashion, went out, cut a promo, told the audience exactly what happened, told them the truth, offered him a refund, called Dixie a bitch. Now, 
Dixie doesn't have a wrestling background. There's some who might argue that she's a mark for herself. And so today, when they're bickering back and forth on Twitter, <laughs> and Dixie's, oh, I heard you had some colorful things to say about me at Tommy Dreamer. Real classy. Well, what's classy about pulling a talent, a main event talent from a guy's show the night before the show's supposed to happen? And especially the fact that a award show like that, you know it's going to be going months ahead of time. Months. Why do they need Bully Ray for that show anyway? Isn't Eric Young their champion? Isn't Eric Young their big crossover star with his Animal Planet show? Why isn't he enough? Why isn't any of the, the other main baby faces and on that show enough? It was also the fact that you you saved our butts and brought us like triple the, uh, the attendance we would have had for our shows in New York. Yeah, and then... Dixie, the laughing, unless this whole thing's an angle, which I don't think it is, but the laughable part about it is Dixie uh, saying that Tommy used her intellectual property and used her, you know, basically to get over. And Tommy's like, using you to get over? I have more followers than you do. <laughs> I draw better than you do. Like He has better ratings than he have a TV show. Yeah, exactly. So it's a sad situation, but it's one of those things that happens in pro wrestling, and the the Facebook or the the Twitter bickering is unfortunate because well, it looks bad for both sides, especially for Dixie though. Yeah, especially it's it's the it's sign of the times now. I guess it's everyone has to go make everything public now. Well, I must have come in right on the end of like the old school as far as wrestling goes because when I got involved with the business, it was very much we handle everything in house. You you keep your business you know in the locker room. You don't, you know, go posting publicly about this or that or the other thing. And so to have a guy who's running his own company who's been in the business for so many years, and then... Oh, more than Dixie, by the way. And then the woman who is the head of the number two company doing this on Twitter... It's, just at number two, by the way. Well, yeah, but nonetheless, it's yeah. it just smacks of, like, a lack of professionalism. Tommy came out and explained himself on a post on Facebook, which was, it made sense. And of course he's going to have to call her a bitch. He's going to have to villainize her in front of his audience because that's business. You know, he didn't go cut long promos on her about, you know, what a horrible person she is. And she shouldn't, you know, needs to understand if you're, there's going to be certain consequences that come from things like that. Certain ways you have to portray to the audience. Yeah, especially when you promised to do something and especially he did something for you and went out his way to do something. Right. But imagine what's going to happen when they go to New York. I mean, I'm reading on you know one of the sites we read, talking about how if they, what they do what they do on TV and they bring that to the what was it the Manhattan Center I think it was or wherever they're going. I or don't know Hammerstein wherever I, it is I, they're I going. I don't watch the show. I told yeah. you. No, no. I mean, I know they're doing the New York tapings, but when they're going to New York City and doing those tapings and they bring what they bring on TV, they're going to be eaten alive. Yeah, probably. I mean, like would they like remember what happened with. Uh, ECW and Batista uh, and Big WWE, Show, yeah, yeah. Like these people don't they don't fool around. They're hardcore fans. They're gonna want to see you know they want to, they have a product that they've been expecting from ECW from Ring of Honor, uh, you know name you know other uh, House of Hardcore. It's that's certain audience and you know Vince knows how to bring it to the mainstream of New York with Madison Square Garden, and they know how to bring it to the to that. I don't want to say internet rest, internet wrestling community, but. The hardcore, I guess, the more hardcore underground fans. Well, Dixie has proven she doesn't know how to bring any Did audience you, to anything. Yeah, like you mean like at the Irvine? You mean at the Bren Center of all places? And 
Or not Brent, sorry. Uh, no, that was WCW. Um, when was no, I was also uh, Bound for Glory, but that's ill-conceived anyway, because if you never come to the West Coast and you don't do any promotion... You can't expect to draw anybody when even you come to the West Coast. Even their house shows are like aren't even drawing. Like if we go to like like all places, like you go to like to a small town. Go, oh, wrestling's coming. They film the place up. The saddest thing, and they're not filling it. The saddest thing was the last Bound for Glory, uh, which was the last TNA show that I watched in San Diego. That's right? what I was thinking. I'm sorry. And there was less people in that crowd than for some indie shows I've been to. And they didn't they even try to do like there for some reason they had a show at the Alamo Dome. And it was like a quarter of the Alamo Dome, and they probably didn't even fill the quarter of the Alamo Dome. Yeah, it was probably in the concourse section. <laughs> it's probably over in the, by the, <laughs> the concourse. It's probably at the uh, concession stand. But speaking about House of Hardcore and who can draw and who can't, man, next weekend, what a, a stacked wrestling weekend for anybody based here in Southern California. You got House of Hardcore in San Diego making their West Coast debut. Uh, stacked lineup, guys like Adam Pierce, the Young Bucks, who I can't stand, but some people seem to like him. Terry Funk on the card. Tommy, obviously. Lance Storm coming out of retirement. Lance Storm coming out of retirement. And their fan fest. Huge fan fest. Ric Flair, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Terry Funk, Bill Goldberg. Just a slew of names that people are going to want to go meet with. And then the very next day, up in uh, Port Wainimi, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood's big red carpet rumble, um... And they have their own fan fest thing going on. Jake the Snake Roberts, AJ Styles. There's going to be a lot of options next weekend for people who are based here in Southern California and what they want to do with their their discretionary dollar. Discretionary dollar. Huh? Yes. Yeah, but it's hard just doing stupid things like that in the same day because it's. I mean, the same weekend is kind of like what, what do I want to do. Yeah, well, it's tough, and especially when you've got one company who. You know, I think the the starting ticket price for House of Hardcore is something like forty bucks, and then the Fan Fest is twenty to get in. Then the autographs each cost a certain amount, depending on who you're you're meeting. Twenty bucks on up. But they got like the breakfast with and things like that too. Right. There's a lot of options for they that. They got the breakfast. They got Mean Gene Okerlund hosting it. Yeah, hosting absolutely. Um, some Q and A's. Uh, Hollywood, you've got uh, it's uh, I think thirty dollars general, and then fifty dollars for the VIP package. That's with- a lot though for an indie show. Yeah, before well, you meet, it's pretty good. I mean, you had AJ Styles and things like that, but still, for what people are normally used to paying for a show, well, they actually were pay for free for the normal TV taping, so it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how both of those shake out because you've got Hollywood, which has tried to make some sort of a dent here in Southern California area on on television, KDOC, and on MAV TV. You've got House of Hardcore, that's more of an internet darling. Uh, I don't know how much promotion they've done in San Diego, but uh, they're going to be down at the casino. It's going to be interesting to see how both of those shows draw in an area that's really hard to get a decent draw when you're not WWE. It's really difficult for any company in Southern California to get a decent turnout. And by decent turnout, I don't mean like 150 people. Like, that's a decent turnout for an indie fed here in Southern California that runs regularly. I'm talking about five, six hundred, you know, 800 people. Uh, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge. So, interesting to see for both of those companies. This might be the one and done for uh, House of Hardcore on the West Coast. They might say, screw this and pack up and go back east and we'll never see them out here <laughs> But again. I think it's mostly, isn't it, the, a lot of it is that, that company that's doing the autographs or just having hard, oh. House of Hardcore there to do their show yeah. in, inside uh, of it. Autograph Icons uh, helping put together that fan fest, which they've done some great work. They they bring guys out all the time at Frank and Sons, which is people who aren't in the Southern California uh if you're listening to Fanboy Nation, you probably wish you had a Frankincense in your area 
Think of a giant warehouse that's basically a miniature version of the exhibit floor of any comic convention you've been to that's open every week. And so they bring people, they bring old football players, they bring wrestlers, they bring old actors, all sorts of stuff in once in a while for autograph signings. And then you have all the comic booths and the toy booths and the sports cards and everything else. So it's really a cool deal. Kind of spoils us geeks that are living here in Southern California. But uh, uh, Icon Autographs has, has done great stuff. And then not only are they doing that next weekend, but a month later, I think it's during Comic Con weekend, as a matter of fact, in San Diego. Uh, they have a signing with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, Hulk Hogan. Maybe he might come make a couple appearances at Comic-Con, too. You never know. Well, you know, he does have the red, white, and blue running through his veins. He's American-made. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, a real interesting weekend next weekend to see how that shapes up. And then I think it's either the week after that or a couple weeks later, Pro Wrestling Gorilla here in Southern California, which okay. is like the West Coast Ring of Honor, essentially. Um they usually draw pretty well, but they have kind of an insulated fan base. And by really well, I mean three, 400 people, which is better than m- almost anybody drawing out here in Southern California uh, by standards of people who are living back east or down in the south somewhere listening to this right now. They might be like, 400 people? Where's the rest of them? But uh, out here, that's that's a pretty solid draw. Yeah, and it, again, that's going to be, do you think it's such a wrestling fan's dollar or what? Oh, I will say this. And I'm going to give a rub, or not a rub, I'm going to put over a guy right now that not a lot of people put over, and they probably should. There's a guy out here who's been wrestling, for better or for worse, uh, love the guy to death, for as long as I've been around, see, in 15 years, a guy who goes by the name of Billy Blade. And in my, you know, opinion, I'm not a huge fan of the guy's in-ring stuff. I like the guy personally, he's always been really cool to me. But he runs a group based kind of in central California. It's it's Grapevine area, Valencia, or not Valencia, um, what's the area up by uh, Magic Mountain? I think it's Valencia. Yeah, okay. Um, he runs Vendetta Pro Wrestling, and those guys draw. Those guys get like a thousand people to their shows every show. The guy, as a promoter, has found, come into his own, and is probably doing as good a business or better business than anybody in Southern California. I love what Jeff Dino's doing at SoCal Pro down in San Diego. Uh, he's always run a really professional organization. Uh, and Jeff Dino's a fellow UPW alum along with us. Um, but Billy Blade and Vendetta Pro, anybody who wants to look at how you actually put a card together um, to be able to draw people, the masses, to promote flyers, posters going out into the community billy blade's doing it the right way nothing no i've never i can't speak about it i haven't really done much for the i'm sorry but i've i'll be admit i'll admit i haven't not done anything much with the independent scene for about a year now sure and you know i've heard i hear good things about jeff dino from you and from our friends at the uh uh, from other podcasts, you can put him over. I'll put him over wrestling from, the, from the wrestling, but I don't know if, how, uh, how the big boss guy is going to say anything. Oh, right. RC Samo, the uh, editor in chief here at Fanboy Nation, he's got the the right attitude towards everything. We're all none of us are competing with each other. We're all part of a, a giant collaborative hive, so to speak. Hmm, okay, well, but, yeah, yeah our, our but, friends, wrestling buddies, that go down to uh... wrestling buddies. You can find them on iTunes, by the way. The wrestling buddies with Mike Masters and Bryce Hambarian. Or yeah. Finch. Wow, okay. 
All right. Um, American Pie fan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've heard good things about Jeff Dino's Fed out there. Um, you know, I catch, try to catch um, um, Championship Rush from Hollywood on when I can, to put it nicely. <laughs> yeah, you always give me the, the reports, because I never, almost never catch that show, but... Uh... You're, you always give me the lowdown on what's going on with Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Congratulations, by the way. Speaking of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, an old friend of ours, uh, stepdaddy Roscoe P. Tucker, yeah. who has been in the business for 15 years or better and been all over the place, worked with XPW, uh, worked with a couple of other groups here in Southern California for finally making his television debut as the patriarch of the Sutton family on Championship Wrestling <laughs> from Hollywood. He's, great to see the stepdaddy on TV. Yeah, the second he came on, he's got a pretty, he's got, uh, I've never really seen much, I never got seen much of his work at live, you know, from when he was doing the indie stuff, the, you know, from the other shows, but he comes on, he's got a great charisma to him, he, he comes on, he's, he's great. I mean, he, he, uh, he knows, he knows, he knows, he's got a good presence, he knows what, where to be, what to do, like, his little, thing he had back and forth with the interviewer guy was pretty funny when he came on about the camera like what the cameras are for and things like that is it was great and hopefully we could see more of them because i mean part part when you do like an hour show and you have a big roster is that you get lost in the fold sure well the stepdaddy is fantastic he's a funny dude um his gimmick is a trailer park stepdaddy that's that's what he is and and when he was wrestling he would come out in a tank top, white tank top with mustard stains and ketchup stains on it. Oh, this one I saw. He had a shirt that had chicken and waffles on it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and he would do a thing where he'd get in the ring uh, at one point during the match with one of his guys, and he would do um, flapjacks and sausage. And he'd slam the guy down, and he'd do a splash on him. That was the flapjack. And then he'd take his hands, like uh, he the guy he just splashed on was sizzling, and he'd like put his hands under him like a spatula and turn him over and then he dropped the sausage on him which was basically think of a guy laying in the ring and then doing the equivalent of a bronco buster oh god <laughs> that was the sausage part of the sausage and flat oh i get it okay okay, okay. yeah oh yeah all right yeah fantastic i, I love uh Steph daddy and i'm glad to see him on television uh, what i'd love to see in a dream situation for championship wrestling from hollywood is i'd love to see stepdaddy somehow interacting with the hobo because the hobo is easily the best thing far and away the best thing i mean light years like the <laughs> best thing about that television program from the hobo i'll give he sticks to the gimmick i'll give him that he is he he does great work and yeah he like if you see him outside like remember when i would go to when i went to the tapings like he would be out there begging for money yeah and I'm like, not, he, he wouldn't break kayfabe no, <laughs> uh, i'm not sure that he knows what kayfabe is i'm not sure that he thinks it's a gimmick i think that he actually is lives. actually a hobo because he would come out there with his his trash parody macho man tassels and his hat um with a like a, a cardboard belt that boxcar champion uh that, that lit up and yeah, like you said, he'd panhandle the crowd out before the audience, and oftentimes walk away with a bigger payday than anyone else that was on the show. Wait, wait, pay? Wait, wait. what are you talking about? Yeah, it, it is indie wrestling, but yeah. Hobo <laughs> found a way to make it work. So, okay. yeah, just by the virtue of the fact that Hobo was leaving with three times more money than anybody else because of panhandling before the show without even taking a bump, probably makes him the best worker in Southern California. I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> yeah. Hobo was the greatest wrestler of all time in Southern California. Well, no, no, no. I said worker. Worker, sorry. Worker, wrestler. Two different sorry. things. Worker. Yes, you're right. Worker's more character and more. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, we got, we're going to be going over here. We got a couple minutes. Um, um, 
Sorry, edit this for a second. I think we go for 90. Like about 90 minutes, something like that. Oh, okay. What are we at right now? Yeah, about 123. Okay, cool. Yeah, Sam, I'll edit this down. We got, like, seven minutes left before. Yeah. So, since we got a couple minutes left, I just want to, uh, want to talk, because I really want to put over something that needs to be put over. Okay. WWE Network. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I almost first you already. Oh, <laughs> good thing you but, stopped yourself. All right, he dropped one earlier. Samuel's going to have to edit this down a little bit. Yeah, but the uh, but the network, 10 bucks a month, all the wrestling, almost all the wrestling you want, wrestling smorgasbord, so to speak, wrestling buffet. It's the Golden Corral, Golden Corral, <laughs> CC's. Uh, I'm going to go back a years. King's Table, wow, uh, Hometown King's Buffet, Table. put together for wrestling right now. Yeah, this is... Um... We jumped on it as soon as the network launched, and and if you're a wrestling fan, here's the thing that I don't that I I kind of hate. There's people in the business on the independent level who have this attitude towards WWE or towards anything mainstream. If you like the hipsters, of if you watch a pay per view, you're you're a mark. No, no, no. If you're especially if you're in the business and you purposely don't watch a pay per view you're the mark because if you're in the business especially if you're a wrestler and you want you should be wanting to be learning as much as possible and a big thing with that what what does every college and pro nfl team nba team what do they all do they watch and study tape that's how you learn watch and see the mannerisms watch and see certain nuances that certain wrestlers do especially if they fit your style so this attitude that some wrestlers have in this area Oh, you're wearing a, a John Cena t-shirt. You're a stupid mark. Well, you wear my t-shirt. Well, who's the mark? Let's see. Who's the mark? The guy that spent $25. And now, if we, we have to first agree on a definition for mark. And my definition is, and it goes back to the origination of the Carney days, when somebody would walk in and the guy would have the chalk on his hand or whatever and pat him on the back so that everybody else at the booths that was running their gimmicks could see the guy, the mark, who they could soak for some money. Mm-hmm. So if the idea of a being a mark is the guy who gives for, you know, whatever he's enjoying, whether it's wrestling or whatever else, I spend $25, I get a t-shirt, I'm a mark. I buy a $40 ticket to a show, I'm a mark. Well, who's the mark? The person who spends $25 or $40 or watches a pay-per-view three hours of their time or three hours of their time on a Monday night, or the guy who went and spent thousands of dollars (laughs) to learn how to wrestle because he watched it as a kid and always wanted to do it, threw his body around for several months, wakes up every morning in pain, suffers broken bones, suffers muscle problems, ligaments... You know, Ray Rosas, he's a fantastic wrestler here in Southern California area. He's recovering from knee surgery. Who knows if he'll ever be the same. You you put your body through that kind of toll for, on the indie level at least, you would mention earlier, no money really. And the prospects of you making any kind of decent money in this business are like the slimmer than any other professional sport or form of entertainment. And then you have the nerve to turn around and tell somebody who pays nine ninety nine a month for the network that they're the mark. Come on, like if you're in this business and you take it seriously, that should be required for you to have the network because you should be going back and watching everything you can from the eighties, everything you can from the nineties, seeing how people work, 
seeing how people move around that ring, seeing their foot placement, seeing everything you can, soaking up as much knowledge as you can that you can apply to your own work in the ring. That's smart. That's being a student of the game. When when Triple H says he's a student of the game, he is the game. It's not a gimmick. He is because he lives and breathes wrestling. <laughs> if you live and breathe wrestling, which if you don't, you should might as well quit because if it's a weekend softball league for you, then more power to you, but you're not going to get anywhere. Unless you're obsessive about this business, only then will you do what you need to do to be able to make a success and make some money in this business. That includes keeping up breast with what's going on currently with the major company in this country in the industry you want to be in or say you want to be in right and going back and watching the people who have had success and made millions of dollars doing it what did they do and how can i get there if you're a wrestler in this area even if you're not a wrestler if you're just a fan 9.99 a month for the uh the network as opposed to having to spend all that money on videotapes all the money on you know Trying or trying to track down all this stuff that you want to try and find on YouTube, well, and just sitting right there in front of you. Well, yeah, and if you want to break it down to its basic component, if you watch, if you don't watch any of the network other than just the pay per view every month, you're already saving thirty to sixty dollars depending on the pay per view because you're only paying nine ninety nine for it. Whereas before you were paying forty bucks for the off pay per views, forty five bucks. 70 bucks 90 bucks for the hd version of wrestlemania or whatever you get it all <laughs> and then you also get every pay-per-view of of all the three major companies all sorts of tv stuff i mean it's and it's an still inv- building it's an invaluable resource can't say enough positive things about the network and you're yeah. absolutely right and nxt i mean god nxt i'm hooked i've I have not missed an episode since uh, or since I got when I first got it and arrival came on i have not missed an episode oftentimes nxt is the best show that wwe produces yes and if you have not seen it please watch arrival and watch uh takeover and look at those post game shows that they do for they did for take for um for uh takeover amazing uh, the production's amazing it looks it makes tna look like look like a indie fed i'm really enjoying the pre and post game shows it's really giving a feel to the wrestling programming like it's a big sport like it's mlb like it's nfl Having the analysts there, Josh Matthews is just fantastic at his job, and the commentators on. I mean, though it's a rotating kind of rotating, um, like I guess combinations on NXT. Albert's been good. Regal is amazing on commentary. Regal's fantastic. Um, and you know who's really good? Renee Young. Yes, I was about to say Renee Young is good. Her name just started slipping my Renee mind. Renee Young's tremendous. Renee Young is great. Um, a Rise great as the heel as a heel commentator. Um, they have the two, you know, the two uh, kind of they're well, first kind of look kind of white bread kind of guys, but they're they're really they're great. It's been it's been good, and something else has been better than I thought it was going to be was Legends House. Yeah, Legends I'm entertained. House has been fun. Like I thought, like oh, it's going to be stupid. I'm going to catch the first episode, big whatever. But no, it's actually I'm actually interested. That's one of the things that's great about the network too is is you got to think that there's going to be more original programming coming out. And when we were kids, if we could have conceived that there would be a 24 hour channel showed nothing but old school wrestling and original programming that was the dream <laughs> i mean yeah. they actually have i mean they have house show stuff on there yeah they have house show stuff from the set from like when bruno san martino was wrestling yeah they it's great and it's there's still more to like i said there's still more to come they have some world-class stuff up they have ecw stuff they still got mid-south to go they just have to digitize these libraries yeah and you know they don't want to put all at one time because they're gonna blow their wad 
they're gonna and they keep adding pay-per-views as they go along i mean as it happens and then raws are coming on they got the monday night warp in retrospective they've got so much to go well how can you not spend 10 bucks on this if you are in the business if you're a student of the game if you enjoy wrestling history even if you're just a casual fan if you're a fan who doesn't watch wrestling anymore but you watched it when you were a kid or you watched it back in the 90s during the attitude era and you you fell off afterwards because things got kind of stale it's still worth it. I mean, nine ninety nine. Because stuff's sitting there for you. You're gonna spend as much. And by the way, we're not getting paid by the WWE Network, so if this sounds like an infomercial. Then you're you're gonna spend basically what you would spend on a couple of Starbucks to have all of that at your fingertips, always on, on any your device. You can watch on your yeah, on your phone, on your Roku, on your right. some tablets, as I've learned. Yeah, um, yeah. Your your laptop, whatever. It's there if you want to watch it, and it's great. And it's what a wrestling fan's dream. Yeah, and and for like what you said, the pay per views to be able. To, did you watch the pay per view? No. Oh well, the replay's on Tuesday. No, the replay's right now. We can just go watch it. Yeah. Um, and then you know they're trying to put. You know, I'm sure they probably could have deal with that TV with the TV network TV deals, but maybe they're going to be able to put Raw up faster. Sure. To watch the recap. I mean, they have the re- <laughs> Sorry, they have recaps of this weekend. They have the countdown show, which um, I always argue with. Yeah, well, the countdown show that simply exists to push their current stuff. That's that's clear, but. The rest of the stuff's really good. Yeah, I want. I mean, they have like the they have some of the some of the like the WrestleMania ones, like the um, the hist- not the history of it. So it has like history of matches that they have certain right. matches or things like that. And then people talking about them. Like I, I was watching one where Sean was talking about his matches with the Undertaker. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, it's and then that set with the Ultimate Warrior that they had. The, those specials were great. The uh, the Daniel Bryan yeah uh, the Daniel Bryan documentary the leading up to WrestleMania. It was all great, and like I said, it's I got I can't emphasize as much. It's ten dollars a month. No, yeah, even you know what? Uh, somebody I was listening to the other day might have been Mike Johnson, although probably not because he doesn't usually say things that are this smart. But uh, somebody said that if they for everything you get with the network, if they wanted to charge fifty bucks a month, they would pay that. I don't know if I would because that's a lot of money. Yeah, and that's basically another bill, but. <laughs> the the point of it was that the value is worth it and if you know obviously they're gonna have to raise the price of the network at yeah, some like, point. like like how netflix does yeah and well it's the same thing with netflix when people start complaining they're raising the prices a dollar you cheapskate <laughs> you can't pay. it's gonna break your bank to have to pay 11.99 where you were used to paying 9.99 shut up like for everything that you get it's completely worth it if they doubled the price of the network i would still have it yeah, it, it's such a great. It's a and it's yeah. an ongoing thing. It's everything. Keep, there's going to be constantly things being added every week, especially or every month with pay per views and WrestleMania, and everything is there. Every like almost obscure pay per views are sitting up there from like WCW and from uh, WWE. When you signed up for the network, what was the first thing you watched? Um, I was looking for some reason. I went. I somehow just wanted to go see, and I saw Bunkhouse Stampede '88. <laughs> Turn that on. I was like, oh, check this out. Um, first thing I went to was the Wrestling Classic. Yeah, which was uh, Lord Albert Hayes being a perv. Yeah, Lord Albert Hayes being a perv. Piper and uh, and oh, Hogan. Yeah, which was, I mean, what a great feud. But you're gonna have to let us know if you have the network. What is it that you like about it? What was the first thing that you watched when you signed up for the network? And if you haven't signed up for the network yet, do it and then tell us what the first thing how, is that you how chose. About, to how watch. about this though? Um, so we always remember when we were younger because we didn't see it since we were younger. Things that we saw that were kind of cool to us or amazing or like oh i remember that and then you watch it now and you're like uh what what wait wait wait, wait really that, that 
Why did I like that? <laughs> okay, I, I've got one. Wait, what, yours? World-class championship wrestling, pretty <laughs> much on a whole. <laughs> uh, I was watching a couple episodes. I got so excited, and when that, when I watched that stuff when I was younger, man, it was... I'm a big fan, a big mark myself of Southern-style wrestling. So the Georgia Championship Wrestling, Memphis, the old NWA stuff, uh, Texas. Gotta, all, I, think, I think they're still trying to get the Memphis stuff all together. Yeah, a bunch, bunch of tough guys that were like real men who I believed were fighting um, and guys you wouldn't want to screw with. Uh, and so I was a fan of all of it. And now you go back and watch some of those world-class matches, and it's like, wow. This... <laughs> they have what? The Samoan. That was this... his name. The Samoan. Yeah. It's like, this... is what, the only guy in Texas or Samoan or what? Well, they couldn't get the blacker to pass the uh, the network exec, <laughs> so. Um, they the left black guy. The, yeah. The black guy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, let us know that, too. Uh, well, what was yours? Mine was uh, Clash of Champions 10, uh, Texas Shootout. <laughs> I just turned it on. It was like, oh, it's one where Sting gets kicked out of the horseman. I remember being like the whole thing where he was like, run after him in the cage and he's going to go after him. And I watched and the whole show was just. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Oh, my God. It was so like the cage match for. Oh, my God. So the remaining horsemen of Oli, Arn, and Flair. This sounds amazing to me. Oli, Arn, and Flair versus Great Muda, Buzz Sawyer, and Dragon Master. Yeah. Just having Muda and Buzz Sawyer together in them. Some, in a cage. Sounds like it'd be a great, uh, a great, a great match. Cage was about a little bit above their heads. The match was about five minutes of like I think they got like one spot in of like Muda doing the back the back handspring and that was it. And then Sting jumping the cage and hurting himself. Jeez. So yeah, <laughs> it was. Well, it, but the great, the best. Oh God, Norman the Lunatic versus Kevin Sullivan, false count anywhere match. They um they they do the usual brawling. I go okay. Then they start going to the back. I'm like oh interesting. What do they do? They go into women's women's room. It closes the door. Closes. You just hear noises. And you see Kevin Sullivan fall out, and the referee's going, "Oh, Norman's a winner." Yeah, that sounds bad. Yeah, it was bad. They've had they, they try to do like the WWE themselves, WWF themselves, like trying to do like little vignettes of like trying to introduce who their people are. So this one, like out of nowhere, just little vignette before a match of Doctor Death being a paramedic. Jesus, I'm going. All right, we gotta get this. We gotta get this guy to the hospital, and he's like trying to revive him, and he's just like, "Okay, sounds horrible." <laughs> it, it, we need to watch. You need to watch it. I think. Yeah, yeah, out of sheer crappiness. So let us know. Also, in addition to what the first thing you watched is, what is your thing that you remembered so fondly, and then went back and watched it on the network, and was like, "Oh, this is what it was." Um, I think most a lot of times that happens with. Uh, the uh, WCW. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be a comments area, or uh, you can email us. We haven't set up an email address yet, but you can email the website, and they'll be forwarded over to us. Hopefully, by the next time we do this, which will hopefully be next week, uh, we can have an email address set up so you guys can send us your messages and your feedback directly. We've been at this for like an hour and a half already. Yeah, wow. This is going to be, uh, even though there's little parts that uh, that RC Samuel needs to clip out, um, this is a hell of a first episode of Steel Cage Carnage. Thanks for sitting through the whole thing. We're uh, sorry we got so long winded. Well, yeah. no, we're not. But and, uh, and hate mail can be addressed to uh, the wrestling buddies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you guys. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Steel Cage Carnage right here on FanboyNation.com. I'm Joshua Waldrop. I'm Fran Mooning. Sometimes at the control center, sometimes and not. Well, right now you're in my apartment, so it's true. That doesn't sound right. Right. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> thanks for listening, and uh, as soon as we come up with some kind of cool little phrase to send you home with, we will. Bye. <laughs>